the way. I'm always so shocked when I'm sitting down there and I'm like, I wonder who's preaching today. Um, it's me. So, Hurricane Sandy, I'll never forget Hurricane Sandy, because I was standing with like 50 other people. No, let's, let's change that. I was running with 50 other people in Stop and Shop. I was running because I knew I needed water. Without water, I would die. You see, Hurricane Sandy was coming, and I figured if I didn't have any water, my family and I, we weren't going to make it. We were, we were going to be toast without water. Come to find out, I never even used the water. But. So we're in Stop and Shop, and I'm running with all these people, and we're running down the, hall, down the aisle, and I get to where the water's supposed to be. And there's one Poland Spring, 24 bottles of water. Yes. Pick it up. I put it in my cart. And as I turn, I see an elderly gentleman and his daughter. They didn't really notice me, but I noticed them. And they looked like I looked when they got to the, to the thing of water, but a little worse because they were like, oh, there's no water. We're going to die. So I thought I heard God. Mark, give them the water. You don't really need it. I got you. You're not going to die. You're fine. Hurricane Sandy's nothing. You're fine. Do you know what I did? I said, okay, God. And I walked right down the aisle to my car and put the water in my car. They never knew. They, they, didn't, they didn't say, wow, that guy's a jerk. They didn't say that. I said that. You're a jerk. Give him the water. I've never forgotten that. And God has kind of taught me a little lesson with that. That he is using you, Christian, and me to be his hands and his feet and his mouth and his ears and his eyes to help people, to show that there is a God. Now you might say, well, giving them a case of water is not really showing them there's a God. But you know what? It's in the little tiny ways, it's in the little ways that we live our lives. It does show that there is a great and mighty God. And we're going we're to look at Romans 12 today. And it's speaking about how we live in our relationships with other people when we need to forgive them. When we need to be the bigger person and show God. So like I said, with that water, I've never forgotten it because I wish I would have given them, given them, given them that case of water, which I didn't do. But as we move ahead, let's look at Romans 12. Let's see what God has to say about practically living our lives to show other people who he is. So Romans 12. Now when I started to do this sermon, I jumped right in at verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold to fast what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse them. I'm like, I could do that. So as I studied, I actually had a whole sermon going from 9 to 21, and something was bothering me. I was like, this isn't right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with jumping in in the middle of chapter 12 at verse 9. But I really couldn't figure it out. Like, what's wrong with being nice to people? What's wrong with showing God's love? Well, it's why you're doing it. Why do we do that? Are we doing it? Am I doing it? Because I'm saying, okay, I, I, I love that person. Check. I love that person. Check. Okay, God, take me home. I got lots of checks. That's not why we do this thing. And I had to look at it. And if you go to to chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I should have given the water because I was worshiping God, saying my God is greater than anything. We should live our lives to praise God, to worship Him. So when someone does something to you, and somebody hurts you, why are you going to be nice to them? Why are you going to bless them? Why are you going to pray for them? Why do you do it? It's to give all the glory to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for what He has done to you. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. He's taken your cold, dead, hard soul and made it alive. Made it alive so that you could say, look what God has done for me. Look what he's done in my life. So as we look to these verses, let's look to worship God. And if you look at me and say, wow, that guy's got it all together, I say the same thing every time. Ask my wife, ask my children, especially last night at 12 o'clock at night as I was my my wife and my daughter were looking at me like, okay, you're a little cranky. And I was a little cranky, because if you pass my house, there's a, there's a microwave sitting out in the front, if you saw it, sitting right out in the front. I wanted a restful day. I just figured I'm preaching the next day, I just want to relax. And Linda said, let's go buy a microwave. Because the one that I've left in the house for over a year that should have been taken out a year ago miraculously kind of healed itself a couple of times. And I was like, yes. So anyway, last night, I have a drill in my hand, and you would know me, if you know me, that's funny. And <laughs> I think I had a hammer, and you shouldn't have a hammer when you have a microwave. And anyway, all I heard was, did you break it? And I said, no, I didn't break it. And I said, it's like, and I said it right then, I said it nice. So I'm not perfect But what I did find out was my family's gracious to me because they did say, you know what? I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And they said, okay. That's what this is talking about. What What if they didn't forgive me? What if we weren't talking to each other? What if you're not talking to your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, and you're just living your life separate because of those little tiny things? And it is those little tiny things in your life. It's not the big things. It's a little annoying things that could make a gigantic wave and a big chasm in your relationships. So let's look to these verses. And the reason why I'm pausing is because I didn't plan any of that. (laughs) All right. Let me read to you. I'm going to read to you from the message. Sort of a paraphrase. Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops a well-informed maturity in you. And that's really what we want. That's really how God wants us to live. So we look at three points today. 
How do we live? How do we die for Christ? How do we do that? Well, we do that by God's mercy. We, we do that by being a sacrifice. And we also do that by having a renewed mind. And we get all of that just in verses 1 and 2 of Romans. And if you look at the first verse, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, in chapter 12 of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore. And that word, therefore, might not be such a big deal to you, but therefore means everything that's gone on before. Why are we supposed to give our lives as a sacrifice? Because what God has done for us. In Romans, it says, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. For the power of God, for the power of God. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, for salvation to all who believe. Think of all that has gone before. Verses, not verses, chapters 1 all the way to 11 are sweeping, sweeping theology. And then Paul says in chapter 12 to the rest of the book, this is how I want you to put all that sweeping, gigantic theology into practice. So I don't want you just to walk around with your books and have great minds and and know everything. I want you to be my hands. I want you to be my feet. I want you to be my mouth. I want to use you. And you know what? You might not think God could use you. Well, you're wrong. You are so wrong. God sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die for you. He's going to use you. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he can use you. Don't think he can't use you because that's what he wants. And the devil wants you to say, he can't use me. I'm not doing anything. And that's that. It doesn't work that way. He wants to use you in your relationships at home and at work and wherever you are. So therefore, I thought of this. Just think of therefore. So I'm in 10th grade. Actually, I'll back up a little bit. I went to my parents' house last week. My dad gives me this. Maybe a couple weeks ago. And I take a look at it. It's in my actual report card from 10th grade. And I'm, I'm thinking, and I know what it is. So I'm looking at my wife and I'm thinking, why? Why? Most parents say, here, you know, we're getting older and we're cleaning the house out. Here's your trophy. Here, here's your first place prize. I'm like, why would you save this? English 1, D. Social Studies, D. General Science, F. Spanish 1, F. IA Survey. I don't even know what IA Survey is. F. Social Studies, F. Semester 1, Semester 2, FL, which is not Florida, I think it's failing. (laughs) Why? So I'm thinking that, therefore, Mark, you didn't go to class, you didn't study. Therefore, you were getting kicked out of 10th grade. And then I thought, well, therefore, this messed up, idiotic young man who didn't know his left from his right, that you would, would... would take Jesus, your son, and that you would hang him on a cross for me. And that you would have people to walk and talk and tell me about him. And that I would know his grace and his mercy. And that I could stand here like a babbling Irishman telling you about this. God is good. God is amazing. And let him use you. 
Don't worry about your Fs. He'll take care of it. It may take 30, 35 years, but he will take care of it. By the mercies of God. Secondly, by the sacrifice, by being a sacrifice. So he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies? In the Roman Greco world, they would think that was crazy. The body was evil. It was something to, like, to make better, but they, they wouldn't think you would give your body. But Paul is saying, as I've been saying from the beginning, now he wants to use your, I hope my hands are clinging. He wants to use his head. There's a song by Keith Green or Steve Green, and, you know, he, he makes them hold their tongues. Now I got a wet hand. He wants to use your, your tongue, like me last night with the microwave. But that's okay. We're all like that. We all have our moments, right? Everybody has their moments. It's not the moment. It's what you do with that moment after you have that moment is what God is asking for. Bodies. He wants to use your feet, your hands, your tongues. See, there were also, he's asking about a sacrifice, giving your body, but he's also asking about a sacrifice. And let me just say one thing about bodies real quick in our society. You know, if it wasn't looking at a mirror all the time, and my wife laughs at me because I don't think I do this, but if there's a mirror in the house, I go, and, I, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. She says, you're looking in the mirror. I'm like, no, I'm not. And the last week I caught myself, I was like, <laughs> we're obsessed with our bodies. We're obsessed with what we look like, whether we like it or we don't like it. God wants to use your body, as the song said, from the inside out. We always told our girls that, you know, we would always say to our girls, you are beautiful on the inside and the out. Because we knew that they had confessed Christ as their Savior, and we knew that God was inside of them. You know, when Paul's speaking about sacrifice here, when we sacrifice our bodies, but Tim Keller says that it's like a, a living killing. You know, you're alive, your body's alive, your soul's alive because of God, but he wants you to be dead. He, he wants you to live your life as if you're dying every day for him. In the Old Testament, they had a sacrifice. You know, think of the temple and think of, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. So there's a, an atonement sacrifice for sin that's done, that's complete, it's finished. He's not talking about that kind of sacrifice. He's talking about another kind of sacrifice. And that sacrifice is amazing to me because I didn't even know it. It's a sacrifice where you bring your best to God. You bring everything that you have, the best, and it's costly. It's going to cost you something. It's called a whole burnt offering, where the whole thing is burnt, but they brought their best cattle, and they didn't skimp. You see, God wants your best, and he doesn't want you to skimp. He doesn't want you to give just a little bit. He wants, to give you, he wants you to give all. And I think of this hymn. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord. And then, I'm pretty simple, so my wife and I last night were looking up Google, like, what's consecrated me? I'm not really sure. So thank goodness for Siri. Set apart. Almost like sanctification, but set apart. Wholly devoted, simply put, for God. Are you wholly devoted for God? 
in your life? Does your, does your wife know that you're wholly devoted to God? Does your kids know? And, and, and all your, your, your mess and all your pimples and all, all your stuff, not real pimples, but you know what I mean, just all your blemishes, do, do they know that you're wholly devoted to God? Does your husband know that you're wholly devoted to God? That you will not skimp on your relationship with God? That, you, that they could follow you no matter what? Even though you're not perfect? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is not. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord. I pour thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. I mess that up a little bit, but you get the point. You get the point. God wants your all. And lastly, so, so firstly, we, we live and die by the mercies of God. And secondly, by being a sacrifice, by being consecrated to God. And thirdly, it's by, it's by the renewal of your mind. If we could get the mind right with the Holy Spirit, if we would let the Holy Spirit get our mind right, just think of what our attitudes would be like. Think of what my attitude would be like. Think of what the, how differently the world would be if we would let God renew our mind. But first he says, don't be conformed to this world. I'm telling you, who, how hard is it not to be conformed to this world? It is so difficult. It is technology, what phone you have, what TV show is on, you know, who's, who's running for president. The world will suck you in and you will have a very hard time of being not conformed to the world if you are not solely, wholly consecrated to God. Trust me, it's, it, it is such a power that you cannot win without the Holy Spirit. Now, I think of a couple of things for me you know, just as, as an analogy, think of, for me, for a diet, I, I got to keep my physique up here, so I got to have, like, a couple of Snicker bars a day. I, this mouth, I let anything go in there. Potato chips, ice cream. Think of that as the world. Do we let everything just go in here? Are we letting everything just go in? And my girls can tell you, I, I you know, they belong to a couple of different youth groups. I know car was and I drive them on Friday nights or Saturday nights or whatever nights it was and as we're driving there'd be this battle back and forth you, you didn't know I could drive and do this at the same time do you but as I'm driving I'm going like this like uh, there's a song and you hear something like oh my gosh and I hit it and then Kara would hit it back and I hit it back and and, and then we hit it back and that was a like a war going back and forth because for some reason I was just sensitive to what the words were saying but in Kara's defense who's not here um, not really fair, but she wasn't listening. 
She wasn't listening to the words. I dare you to turn on a regular radio today and listen to the words of the songs that are coming out of the radio, and you will rip the radio out of the car and throw it out the window. You wouldn't believe what they say, but you don't know because you're not listening. But it's still getting in there. And I talked to Carrie yesterday. We, she went to college at Word of Life, and she thought she was going to get away from me, but I, I have this thing on my phone called FaceTime. I keep hitting this FaceTime thing, and she's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kara, I'm bothering you again. But we had a great conversation yesterday. And she was telling me that when she went to Word of Life, that they made her write a paper about what she'd listened to and why. And she wasn't allowed to listen to social media or anything for like two weeks, maybe a little longer. She said, Dad, that was so powerful. And she, she told me that there was a girl who listened to a song, and Kara said to her, do you even know what that's saying? Let's listen to the words. And then when the girl heard the words, she's like, oh my gosh, I can't listen to that. So as a parent, don't ever give up. Have those battles. Those battles are good. And, and God will always bring that. But just watch what's going into your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. 1 Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. So don't be conformed to the world, but be renewed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be changed from the inside out. You know what Jesus wants to do with you? He wants to make you mature. But as I heard a pastor say one time, we're all under construction. Have that attitude to know that you don't have to be perfect, but you need to be moving forward in maturity. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I think of a couple of things um, with my Bible. I don't know if this is true for all of you, but you cannot have a renewed mind unless you're reading God's word. You cannot spiritually be renewed in your mind unless you're digesting God's word every day. And I, I, I was thinking about it the other day. You know, you think about what your parents wanted you to eat. Friday nights were chicken livers and rice. And I could see some of your faces. I used to go to my friend Mark's house because he was Italian and his mother made pizza. So I would pass my house on the way home on Friday and go to Mark's. Also, if you think of, like, your parents would say, eat your broccoli or eat your Brussels sprouts. I don't know. They're good for you. This is good for you. But if I'm honest, I don't always digest what I'm supposed to be digesting. But your mind will not be renewed unless you open God's word and digest it and put it in here and put it in here. And in this way, you can live your life how God wants you to live your life. And it's also by the Holy Spirit. You can ask God, please show me, help me, and he will. A couple of things. I am, I am, you are all going to be talking about this sermon when you leave because I'm going to sing. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it really is. And I can't find it, but I'll just do. Uh, Susan's looking at me like, don't do it. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I'm going to sing and cry. Great. The reason why I'm doing that is because I used to sing that to one of my daughters when that's our song. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Get that right. And you have everything else right. Psalm 86. 
Psalm 86, 11 to 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. I will glorify your name forever. Imagine if you were reading these verses every day. And, I, and don't get me wrong, because I'm looking out here, and I know you guys read your Bible. I know you're reading your Bible. I know you're hiding God's word in your heart. So don't get me wrong that way, but do it more. Do it more, as, as much as you can. But listen to that again. Teach me your way, O Lord. You know, um, an old English preacher by John, his name is John Stott. I believe he's passed away. But he said he used to, before he get out of bed in the morning, he would just say a little prayer. Dear Lord, please make me a living sacrifice for you by your mercies. He would actually say the prayer of Romans 1 and 2. Don't let me be conformed to this world, but renew my mind. Before his feet touched the ground. And that's what we need to do as well. So lastly, I just want to share with you a quick story. So I'm at work, and, and I'm just a peacemaker. I, I, I want everyone, I'm not just a peacemaker, but I want everyone to love me and to like me. I don't want anyone to hate me. I just don't. It, it's not a nice thing. So I think I go out of my way sometimes to try to make people to like me. And I'm at the bank, and um, long story short, I had a teller who worked for me. She didn't last long. She left. But before she left, she said, the new bank I'm going to, I'm going to mention your name. And I'm going to tell them all about you. And I said, please don't. I said, because I know the bank you're going to, and I don't think they'd really like to hear that. You know, banking is a small community. We all know each other. And, and um, I said, just don't do that. So that was the last I spoke to her. My employee comes into my office with a big smile on his face about a week later. And he's sitting down, and he's got his phone in his hand. And he looks at me, and he's still got that smile on his face. So I'm like, it doesn't usually smile, but he's smiling. And I'm like, what's up? He goes, oh, I was just talking to, i got to make up names now. I don't know, give me a name. Nancy. I was talking to Nancy. And uh, Nancy said that um, when she was over at the new bank, she told them all about you. I was like, oh, no. And um, I said, that's not a good thing, John. He goes, oh, no, I know. I'm like, well, how do you know? He goes, I, I have texts. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, she's texting me. And she wrote something like this, and I always exaggerate, and I don't get everything right, but it was something like this. Um, I told um, Bethany all about Mark, and she really, 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 really did not like him. And I was like, I can't tell you, like, the emotion that was going through my body and my mind, because you would think that's a little, like, sandbox thing when you're five, and it's not a big deal. But a 51-year-old man should not get, like, all emotional because somebody does not like you. She didn't like me. What do you mean she doesn't like me? Now, I'm not saying this to him. I'm saying this in here. The whole time he's talking, I, I'm not listening. I'm going, she doesn't like me. Now, I knew she didn't like me. I just knew. I'm very intuitive. I knew she didn't like me. But I didn't know she didn't like me. So she doesn't like me. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to like her. And the next time I see her at an event, I'm going to go, oh, I don't like you. Or, oh, 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 I hear you don't like me. So everybody can hear. This is what's running through my mind. Crazy man. Then, then, out of nowhere, I hear this in my head. 
Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. Now, I don't want to take this out of context. Obviously, this is not speaking about little baby things at work when someone doesn't like you. You know, he's, this is serious stuff in the Bible where you're being persecuted and, and, and in relationships where people are your enemy. But you still can apply it to any, any place. So I needed to apply this. So as he's sitting in front of me, I could have said a number of things that were like, I hate her, I don't like her, she's a jerk, blah, 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 whatever. And this came back to me. And what it means, what, don't, don't curse them, bless them. What it means is to pray for them. You ever pray for your enemies? Have you ever really, really, really prayed for your enemy? Like sincerely prayed for them. And I just, in my head, I just said, dear Lord, bless Bethany. Just bless her. Love her. I can't tell you how freeing and amazing that was for me. I was like, I feel great. I don't care she hates me. I don't care because God's in control. He'll take care of it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to hug her. And she's going to hate me even more. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close in prayer. And then we're going to have a closing song. And after the song, you're dismissed. You're all going to forget that. And we're all going to be standing around like, what do we do now? But after the hymn, you're dismissed. Heavenly Father, take my babbling words and use them for you, Lord. You change them, use them however you want. Forgive me if I said anything I wasn't supposed to say. But Lord, help us, help me to be living sacrifices for you to be consecrated for you to give our lives for you to love other people for you and if there's anyone here who is thinking man i don't really know jesus christ father i would pray i would pray that you would put it on their heart to search you out to seek you out i remember being young and i was like lord Help me. I need your help. And I would pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would cry out to God. If you hear him knocking on your heart, cry out to him and say, God, I need you. I am a sinner. I am a mess. And I need you. Come into my life and save me for what you have done. Help me to turn from my sin. I know that you died on the cross that you were buried and that you rose again and that you were alive and that you love me beyond anything I could think or imagine. If you do that, trust me. Trust me. God's promises are true. If you ask to be saved like that, you will be. He will come into your heart and save you. If you're here this morning and you've been coming to church forever or maybe just a baby Christian or been here for a while and you're thinking, you know what, I'm really not consecrated to God. I'm not giving my all. I'm not wholly devoted to Christ. I give him a little bit, but I don't give him everything. You could just tell God that because he knows already and just tell him. Get it out of the way and tell God that you want to be wholly devoted for him and ask him to show you what he wants you to do. Father, be with us this day and every day just to be living sacrifices for you. In Jesus' precious, holy, powerful, amazing name, amen.